My wife got me dressed this morning, so. Yeah. Let's, um, well, first of all, good morning, and let's, let's pray together about our time in the Word. Father, thank you so much for the love and the koinonia in this place. But right now, we want to thank you for your Word that is so rich and true and deep. And we pray that uh, as we look at scriptures this morning, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us individually, um, that no one would go away from here um, feeling the same, but we would all be built up in the most holy faith. That's our concern, Lord, that we be built up and strengthened, blessed, Lord, more fervent, more passionate, uh, full of greater strength and power by your Holy Spirit. So we ask for you to help us um, stay focused and stay attuned to what you're saying to us through your Holy Spirit and through your word. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I often think about the last words of people. I think they tell us a lot about a person, about their personalities, about their faith or their lack of it, about uh, life messages that they might have. Often the fact uh, that they are fools or foolish. For example, there was a man named General John Sedgwick who in the midst of a Civil War battle uh, said this with his last words, they couldn't hit an elephant from this disc. Sometimes last words are profound warnings, strong exhortations. Sometimes they are just plain silly, aren't they? Here are a few from history. John Quincy Adams said, this is the last of earth, I am content. Todd Beamer, his last recorded words on a cell phone, are you guys ready? Let's roll. John Newton, I am in the land of the dying and I am soon going to the land of the living. Humphrey Bogart was one of those silly ones. He said, I should never have switched from scotch to martinis. Winston Churchill is reported to have said, this one's in a little bit of doubt, but he's purported to have said, I'm bored with it all, that great mind. Charles Darwin said, I'm not the least afraid to die. I'll let you decide about that one. Oscar Wilde said, either that wallpaper goes or I do. There was a man named Lawrence Oates. He was a British explorer with um, a man named Scott who was going for the South Pole. And they were in a tent starving. And he sacrificed himself by leaving the tent saying, I'm just going outside and I may be some time. He was never seen again. Karl Marx shouted to his nurse, go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. 
Contrast that with Paul's assessment of his own life in 1 Timothy 4, where he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Those are words. Those are words. In the secular realm, there's this term called a swan song or the swan song. Have you heard that expression? It's, it's the final performance or the final writing or the final effort that a person wants to give to the world uh, as their life message. It comes from an ancient belief that there was a type of swan that was silent its whole life, but just before it was ready to die, it would sing one beautiful song. Anna Pavlova was a Russian ballerina in the early 1900s, and she toured the world with a uh, ballet called The Dying Swan. And it's said that when she was dying, she said, get my swan costume ready. Also, perhaps play the last measure very softly. Laura and I like to watch movies. And um, I bet if you like to watch movies, you've had this experience where sometime long before you expect it, the screen goes black and the credits start to roll and you can't believe the movie's over because there's no ending, there's no message, and you're just left hanging saying, what was the point of that? I think I just wasted an hour and a half. But thankfully, the New Testament writers, under the strong and special inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sent powerful messages in their doxologies, in their benedictions and closings. And I'd like to look at these this morning. I just got a notion to kind of look at the end of every New Testament book and see what we could learn or what I could learn. Now, the uh, points that I will emphasize may not be the very last words of each book because often... Um, a book will end, a New Testament book will end with salutations and greetings, greet so-and-so and and greet so-and-so. But I'm looking for that last parting message, that last parting shot. In my study, I arranged these benedictions into five categories. I'll show you those now. And uh, the Great Commission Commandments from the Gospels, establishment doxologies, I'll explain that in a minute, the guard yourself exhortations, the grace and peace benedictions, and the call to action closings. I'm using the terms benediction, doxology, and closings interchangeably. And uh, I want you to note that on the back of your bulletin, there's a place to take notes if you'd like to where there's room for the five points. And we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures, so you may may want to write those down. 
So let's take a look, first of all, at the Great Commission Commandments. Um, if you have your Bibles or um, can look on with someone, let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20 to get started. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Very familiar passage. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we have the commission to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. But I want to draw your attention to the last little phrase, um, Lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. What a comforting last line that Jesus speaks. Lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. We were singing about that this morning, weren't we, Hallett? That he's constantly and forever with us. We're going to see that each of the Great Commission passages has a little twist of its own that I think is fascinating. The second one, of course, is from Mark 16, verses 15 through 18. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So here we have the commission, preach the gospel to all creation, but the twist is this little line, these signs will accompany those who believe. I like that because it's the Great Commission with expectation. Expectation of signs and wonders, of the supernatural, of God confirming his word by signs and wonders. Then if we turn over to Luke 24, 44 through 49... Luke 24, 44 through 49, let me read that to you. Jesus is speaking and he says, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And then in verse 49, this important um, additional feature, Behold, I am sending forth, forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so Luke's Luke gives the Great Commission as well when he says in verse 47 um, that forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. 
But then he adds this little twist that we are to wait until we have been clothed or his disciples are to wait until they have been clothed with power. So there's a note here of the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit um, and having his enabling, uh, without which we know we can't do anything. So again, in Matthew, there's the lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Mark, these signs will accompany those who believe. In Luke, we have um, the last words of Jesus. Again, he speaks in Acts when he fulfills that. But in the Gospels, in Luke, the last is wait for the Holy Spirit. And then in John, we see what I'm calling a pastoral commission. This is where... Um, Jesus has risen from the dead and he appears on the, on the beach and he has this conversation with Peter. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And, um, and uh, the Lord asks him three times, each time saying, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And then we read in, uh, starting in verse, Well, let's start in verse 20. Peter is, has just been told by Jesus to follow me, Jesus says. Follow me, those two strong words. And Peter looks at John, the, the, the John, the disciple, and he says to Jesus, Peter turning around saw the disciple who Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on the breast, on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This saying, therefore, went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die, that that disciple would not die. Yet Jesus didn't say to him that he would not die, only to Peter, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? So here's a pastoral great commission about tending sheep, feed my sheep. With this twist, you follow me. And there's a note here of, of don't compare yourself to others. Don't think your path is going to be the same. And boy, is that needed, isn't it? how we compare ourselves to others and we, we think somehow we're, we're deficient or we're not, um, or we're better than because we compare. And yet here in this last chapter of John is this strong exhortation to, to focus on Jesus. You follow me. It's a rugged and riveted discipleship. Interestingly, this is how Keith Wheeler, you know, who takes his cross into many hostile nations of the world, this is how he self-defines himself in those situations. He doesn't say, I'm a Christian. He says, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. All right, let's move on to the second category, the establishment doxologies. What I mean by establishment is 
there are a lot of books that close with the idea that God will establish us and bring us safely home. Let's look at Romans 16, the last uh, couple of verses, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. So I hope you heard that word established in the first verse, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you. What does that word mean? Well, in the Greek, that word means to lay a foundation, to make you stable or firm. Isn't that a beautiful uh, concept that God is in the business of making us stable and firm that we might bear the weight of eternity. If you look up the word in Webster's, it goes on to add some additional meetings. It says to put into a favorable position to gain full acceptance. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. 1 Peter 5. 10 and 11. I think of so many of you when I read this verse. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful verse? I hope you feel some comfort coming, some, some assurance coming, that it's not all up to you to present yourself holy before the Lord, but that God is in the business of establishing you, of stabilizing you, of, of presenting you favorable before the Lord. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4.18. 2 Timothy 4.18 says, The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 2 Timothy was the last book the last epistle that Paul wrote. He wrote it from prison in Rome. It was the, uh, his second Roman imprisonment. He was all alone at this time. Uh, he says in verse 6 that he's about to be martyred. Uh, Demas in verse 10 has deserted him. No one has supported him, he says in verse 16. And in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith uh, caused him much harm, yet he can go on to say, the Lord will bring me safely home. He will deliver me.
from every evil. And then one of my favorite is Jude 24 and 25. Let's look at that one briefly. If you struggle with self-doubt as a Christian, if you struggle with um, assurance of salvation, these are great verses for you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Does that comfort anybody? Does that comfort you? I hope so. So that's the second category, these establishment doxologies. I, I think of Philippians 1.6. Um, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Or 1 John 3 that talks about when we see him, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. That is a strong theme in the scriptures, that God will establish us, he will bring us home, he will make us ready for that weight of eternity. It's not all up to you, Jan Dunn. God is going to help you get there. And I'm saying that to myself as well. Just picking on you, Jan. Okay, the, the third one is guard yourselves, exhortation. Guard yourselves, exhortation. Guard yourself and what has been entrusted to you. A really good one is First Timothy Let's take a look at that one, verse uh, 20 and 21. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus, thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. Then let's turn to 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. Second Peter 3, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. First John 5.21, you can see there, says, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. That's how First John, the book of First John ends. Guard yourself from idols. What a... What a short but powerful verse. Guard yourself from idols. And Ephesians 6.24 ends with this verse. I've always loved this verse. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with what? A love incorruptible. 
Isn't that a beautiful, a beautiful verse? So we have these slippery slopes in this world. We have the little foxes that spoil the vine. We have vain philosophies that try to carry us away after false doctrine. This type of benediction is saying, guard yourself. Anybody think of a verse from Proverbs? I guess I have it there, don't I? Proverbs 4.23. Uh, who, can, who can quote it for me? Anybody? Mike? Guard your heart with all diligence. Uh, my version says, for from it flow the springs of life. So guard yourselves, exhortations, are the third category. The fourth are grace and peace benedictions. May the favor, empowerment, and peace of God be yours in abundance. Grace is such a multifaceted, such a rich term that I want to talk about it just a minute because so many New Testament books end with the words grace be to you or grace be to your spirit. So here are some of the broad range of meanings. Grace can mean God's kindness and mercy. It can mean an extra, may you have an extra ability. I love that definition or, or color to the word grace. It can mean undeserved favor. It can mean a gracious or grateful disposition. It can mean a state of being. It can actually just mean rejoice if it's used in the imperative. So when Paul uses this closing blessing in his New Testament books, which meaning is he, is he after? I, I think he's after a blended meaning or a, a layered meaning where he's saying, may God's kindness and favor continue to rest on you. Or may you experience supernatural ability as you go through the weeks ahead. May you rest in God's gracious love. May you always be rejoicing with a gracious and grateful disposition. And may you continue to rejoice in God. So here are a few verses. Philippians 4, 23. Philippians 4, 23 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Hebrews 13, 20, 21, and 25. Say, Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then in verse 25, grace be with you. I'll uh, just leave Second Thessalonians 3. You can look that up on your own. But indeed, this was Paul's favorite way to close out a letter, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace be yours. The last um, category.
category of closings or benedictions are what I would call call to action closings. We are to be people of action on the alert and fruitful as we wait for the Lord's return any moment. I love this verse in Titus chapter 3, verse 14. It says, let our people also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs that they may not be unfruitful. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Let our people learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs that they may not be unfruitful. In James, James ends with a sort of a confrontational uh, call to action, if you will, or, or it describes a confrontational situation. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Then we have 1 Corinthians 16, 13, which says, um, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Isn't that a great verse, Kevin? Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Uh, that's, that's the tenor of the end of 1 Corinthians. And then, what does the last book of the Bible end with? Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes. I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so uh, I think we're to have this, this uh, come quickly mindset where we're not afraid to leave this life. We're not so tied to this life that we aren't ready to go. Anybody ready to go out there? Ready to go? You know, Jesus had a lot to say about that, didn't he? He said, be on the alert. You don't know the hour. Uh, and so this is just uh, reinforcing scriptures that are in the internal parts of the gospel. So as you look at these five categories, I want to say this. We're going to pray in just a minute, just briefly. Um, I want to say that I don't believe these closings are any more inspired portions of Scripture than the other parts of Scripture, but I do think that because of their unique placement, that they, they bear a special sense of urgency, a special sense of focus on our part. I think it behooves us to know uh, how the New Testament books end and the kind of emphases that are brought to bear, um, I think these can provide a special sense of guidance as we go through the work, uh, through the weeks, and a special sense of instruction. And so while they're not more inspired, I would say that there is a place to focus on these and to treat them with uh, greater focus, perhaps, or at least, at least um, with a great deal of focus. So I'm going to invite you to stand, and let's just pray through 
each of these together, uh, sort of just briefly, um, that we would be focused upon them. There may be one or two that you especially feel drawn toward and you would want to ask the Lord to help you remain focused on that emphasis for a season. Father, we thank you for the great commissions or great commission that we see with different emphases uh, throughout the Gospels. Lord, we ask you to make us bold. Father, we ask that we would be quick to share the gospel, that we would respond in obedience to this great commission that is hammered uh, through in these last chapters of the gospel and were some of the very last words you said on this earth. We thank you, Father, for the witness of Matthew that Lo, you are with us always, and of Mark, that we can expect signs and wonders to follow and confirm the preaching of your word. Thank you for Luke reminding us to wait on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and of John not to compare ourselves to other, but to others, but have that riveted focus upon you that we are to follow you. Thank you for the establishment doxologies, Lord, that uh, the promise that it's not all up to us, but you are able to make us stand before you with great joy and blameless even and bearing the weight of eternity that you're perfecting us, Father, and we just thank you for that. When we are faithless, you are still faithful. We praise you and we bless you for that truth and that reality. Help us, Father, to guard ourselves against the slippery slopes of this life, the worries and cares of the world, the, the deceitfulness of sin, and uh, the little foxes that want to spoil the vine, vain philosophies that we can argue about and, and are tempted to be drawn into. Father, help us to be hemmed in in our hearts by your Holy Spirit and to know when we need to guard ourselves from ideas or thoughts or temptations. We praise you and we bless you for this type of exhortation. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and peace. Thank you for the fact that we can walk in your grace. And we can walk in your peace, that supernatural peace that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your peace. I pray for any of my brothers and sisters who are going through a difficult, conflictual time with someone or something. I pray in the midst of that, your grace and your peace would rest upon them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your favor, for your joy, for your extra ability when we need it. And then lastly, Lord, we pray that this call to action, that we would be fruitful people, that we would be full of good deeds, 
uh, as we wait for the return of our Lord. We pray that we would be alert, uh, not scoffing or sleeping or lazy, but we would be alert and ready uh, for your return. And we would be doing those works that your word says were created before time for us to be done, for us to do. So, Lord, we just pray that you'll lead us and guide us in what to put our hand to and to be full of of fruitfulness and joy as we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this rich time in your word. I pray that you would apply this message to each heart as you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jim. You can remain standing. Just a quick reminder uh, for our Sunday night activities. Encourage all of you to be here tonight for a Sunday night seminar or Bible Bowl or Fast Track or wherever you fit in. Be there for that. Thank you so much, Jim. Very clear words. We appreciate it, brother. And for fear of uh, saying some more words that would tumble on your last words, let me just say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. We're dismissed.